0: Hi, we now come to the actual Passover ritual. This part of the Bible, Exodus chapter 12, was probably written almost assuredly by the priestly people between 587 and 539 BC. So you might say it's one of the most recent parts of the Old Testament that was written here. This was written after the temple had been built. King David came about somewhere between 1010 B.C. and 970 B.C. Solomon built a temple somewhere between 970 and 931 B.C. So this episode obviously is written when the temple has already been built, when the Jews have gotten back, come across uh, the Sinai, gotten into the promised land of Palestine, have had their kingship, have been united, have built a temple. And then they wrote chapter 12, all right? Probably towards the end of their period. As I say, the temple was built around 979-31 BC. This was probably written down around 587-539 BC, just before the temple gets destroyed by the Babylonians. The Jews know that trouble is brewing in 587 BC, and they wanted to get the Hebrew scriptures written because the people would need to hold on to something as they went into exile. Now in chapter 12, again, you can, when you listen to it, and hopefully, like I said, please read the entire chapter before you listen to this talk, so you know where we're going, and it wouldn't be bad to have chapter 12 in front of you. It starts off in chapter 12, the Passover ritual, and the ritual begins, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month will stand as the head of your calendar. You reckon the first month of the year. Tell the whole community to get together on the 10th of this month. Every family must procure for itself a lamb, one apiece for each household. If a household is too small for a lamb, they should bring in the neighbors. Your lamb has to be the uh, best. It has to be a year-old male. It has to have no blemish. You can either take it from the sheep or the goats. You keep it till the 14th day of the month, and then when the whole community is assembled, it will be slaughtered during the evening twilight. Well, let's look at that. At this point in the story, in the Exodus story, we're just up to the evening, of the of the death of the firstborn. And what are we told? All the Jews are getting together to have a big party. They're gonna slaughter the best lambs and the best sheep. Excuse me, they were slaves. They didn't own anything. That the best would have been if they watched over Pharaoh's lambs and sheep, and at times they might be able to have some of that as food. But they make it sound here like the Jews are going to kick back tonight, have this big feast, everybody's going to get together. Obviously, this was written afterwards when the Jews wanted to commemorate what really happened and they want to take the event and think about what is really happening. And it says this in verse seven, when they're killing the lamb, take some of the blood and then apply it to the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which you eat it. So you're going to take blood, put it on your doorpost, the the two poles going up and the one going across, the lintel. You're going to mark the doorpost. Why are you going to mark it? Because you're going to say, in here lives a good Jew. And you're going to eat this lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. All right, we're going to come back to that. And it's to be roasted with the head and shanks and all the internal organs and nothing will be saved till the next day when you're gonna burn everything up in the fire. Where did this idea come from? Why did they decide to do this Feast of Lambs, and we're gonna see the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and join them together? Well, it goes back to the history of the Jewish people. What did they learn when they were doing the Exodus? What did they learn when they went through Sinai and when they came to the land of Canaan. So, where did the Jews get the idea of putting blood on the doorpost and sacrificing a lamb? Well, if you remember from the story I've told you earlier, Moses lived with the Midians. The Midians were Bedouins. Bedouins still exist today in the Sinai Desert. They traveled from waterhole to waterhole with their goats and their sheep, and survive a life of nomads. Now, Moses lived with the Midians, lived with the Bedouins. He learned their ways, and he learned how they did this, traveling about in the desert, staying alive. He also would have learned one of the most ancient of Bedouins rituals called the Feast of the Lamb. When I went to Israel, I got to go through the Sinai Desert and I got to climb Mount Sinai. The night before I was going to be climbing Mount Sinai, I went off with my, our guide on the tour to a Bedouin camp. He wanted to hire a Bedouin guide to help us get up Mount Sinai. When we got to the camp, it was set up like Bedouins live: tents, sheep and goats, a fire going, and we had a very relaxing, sitting on pillows, talking to the Bedouins. And one of my big questions to the Bedouins was not about going up the mountain, but if they still practice the Feast of the Lamb. And I was told they still do. The Bedouins' Feast of the Lamb is this. The Bedouins, when it was springtime, and they were camped at one of their watering holes, and they were just about to start giving birth to many little lambs and goats, baby lambs and goats. They had a great feast called the Feast of the Lamb, where they took their best lamb, they slit its throat, they took the blood, and they put it on the doorposts and lintels of their tents. They did this to keep away evil spirits from coming into their house. And they at the end of the meal, after they had a great party and a great celebration, they took all the food that was left over and they burnt it up as an offering to their fertility god. Because they wanted to have a lot of baby goats and a lot of baby sheep. So they burnt up all the food as an offering to the god to give them a great deal of baby lambs and sheep. So the Bedouins had this feast. The Jews, Moses, the Jewish people witnessed this feast, they knew about the Bedouin's feast, and they adopt it and adapt it. They take some of the ideas of the Bedouin feast and they give it a new meaning. So for the Jews, they do the same. They kill the goat, they drain its blood, they put uh, it on the doorpost and lintel of their house, not to necessarily ward off evil spirits, but to say, in this house lives a good Jew. And that's what it says in the scriptures. And yes, in the scriptures in verse 13, it says, the blood will mark the houses where you are. Seeing the blood, Yahweh, God, will pass over you and will, not stri- and will strike the land of Egypt, but nothing bad will happen to the Jews. Well, when this is being written down, Passover was in 1280. This was probably being written down around 587, 539 BC. At that point, the Jews put the blood on their door to say, here lives a good Jew. It was a way of recognizing that they were good Jews. All right, and God, according to the story, passed over. But again, we know that part of the story probably couldn't happen because the Jews could not go killing Pharaoh's lambs especially when they're having a fight with him and trying to get free to leave Egypt. So anyway, it's a, a use of the story. It's adopting the Bedouin idea and adapting it and giving it a new meaning. The new meaning is the blood on the door, in here lives a good Jew. And the Jews do that today on Passover. They put the blood on their, good Jews put the blood on their doorpost until to say, in this house lives a good Jew. And we're trying to be faithful and good Jews, keeping what God wants us to do. So as we look at this, we now come to the next incredible line. That's in uh, Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis, Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. It's saying, this day, the day that you begin Passover, will be a day of remembrance for you, which your future generations will celebrate With pilgrimage to the Lord, you will celebrate it as a law, as a a definite idea to do forever. Well, obviously, verse 14 is, again, written by the priestly people much later than the actual event of the um, Exodus. Because what is it saying? It's saying this day will be a day of remembrance. Well, the event hasn't happened yet. The Jews haven't left Israel. According to the story, they're still in Egypt. They still haven't been freed. But of course, what are they writing in 587 BC? They're saying this day is going to be a remembrance. They want the Jews to solidify the idea of celebrating Passover to remember that God saved his people. And you're going to celebrate, it says, with pilgrimage to the Lord. Well, again, a very interesting thing. Where do Jews go on pilgrimage to the Lord? To Jerusalem. They haven't really gotten there yet, according to the Exodus story. All right? But again, the priestly people are making the point. What should Jews do on Passover? You should go to Passover at least once in your life to celebrate the Passover of the Lord, to celebrate your connection to Yahweh God, to celebrate God saving the Jewish people. So it's a very interesting line, again, points out how this chapter was written much, much later than the actual event. And then it goes on to the second half, you might say, of the uh, Passover event. The first half of the event has to do with the blood on the doorpost, the blood marking where the Jews live, and God saving the Jewish people. And then they go on and they talk about the next part of the feast and they say this, on the first day of the feast, which you'll hold a sacred assembly, and likewise on the seventh. On these days, no sort of work will be done except to prepare the food everyone needs. Keep then the custom of the unleavened bread, and they eat unleavened bread. Why did this become part of the uh, ritual? Well, the Jews met first in the desert, the Bedouins, and we know what they do and why do they do it. And then the Jews met the Canaanites. The Canaanites were the people that lived in Palestine, in Israel, before the Jews got there. They were a farmer society and they grew grains. They grew barley harvests. a one they're probably talking about here. Again, it was a springtime event. What did the Canaanites do and why do they do it? And then we're going to see how the Jews adopt again this feast and turn it into what they want it to mean. They adopt it and adapt it to their purpose. So what did the Canaanites do? The Canaanites, the day before the barley harvest, which was also in the springtime, that's how it gets connected with the Bedouins, They saw that the Canaanites would have a great big festival. They would take all the grain they had in the house and they would make cakes and breads and pastries and they would have an enormous feast. And they, of course, drank a lot of wine, had a great night because the next day they were going to do the new barley harvest, and they would clean all the grain out and all the the stuff that makes leaven happen, all right? So all the old grain... All the grain is taken out and it's thrown, into, uh, it's thrown into having a great big feast. At the end of the feast, they burn everything that's left over to give it back to their fertility guy. Because the next day, they want to have a big feast. So, what did the Bedouins do and why did they do it? The Bedouins had the feast of unleavened bread where the night before their harvest, they have this great party. They make, take all the grain they had in storage, all the grain they had in their house. They make great cakes and pies and breads. They use up all the leaven, and leaven means the yeast, that which makes bread rise, and they had a great feast. At the end of the feast, they took all their leftover food, threw it into the fire, they burnt it up as a way of offering up to their fertility god so that their grain harvest would be great the next day. Then they're ready to harvest. When they harvest their barley and they bring it into the house, they grind it down into flour, and they mix it with water, you can make unleavened bread. You can make bread. But they didn't have any yeast. They didn't have any leaven. How do you make yeast? Yeast takes seven days to make. You take bread. You take the flour. You take the water. You mix it together. You make dough. You take the you take the dough and you put it on your windmill where the sunlight can hit it. The sunlight hits the dough. After seven days, bacteria starts to grow inside the. Uh, dough and it creates what we call yeast yeast then can be taken parts of that put into other flour and water and you can make bread that will rise you make bread that is leaven so that's why the Canaanites had to wait 7 days before they could eat leavened bread it took that long to make the yeast what do the Jews do The Jews now adopt and adapt parts of the Canaanite feast, and they particularly call this part of their feast, the the part of the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread too. The Jews are told that they have to eat unleavened bread. Why? Because any Jew who eats leavened bread uh, will be cut off from the community of Israel. They'll be excommunicated. They'll be thrown out of the Israelite community. So for their feast, eating unleavened bread for seven days for the Jews now, it means that you are a good Jew. And that's what is going on here. The Jews are adopting and adapting the Bedouins' Feast of the Lamb, the Canaanites' Feast of Unleavened Bread and bringing them together. And what are they trying to say? They're trying to say, we want to remember that God saved the Jewish people. So they take the feast of the lamb and they give it a new meaning. They put the blood on the doorposts and lintels of their houses to say, in here lives a good Jew. They eat unleavened bread to say, this is a sign that you're connected to all the Jews of the world. You're all brought together, all right, as one nation, that you're trying to do what God wants you to do. And you are remembering by eating the lamb, by eating only unleavened bread, you're remembering that God saved the Jewish people. Yes, you might say there were natural causes that could have explained all the plagues, but to the Jews who believe in God, what the events say is that God saved the Jewish people. They take what the Bedouins did, they take what the Canaanites did, and they give it a new meaning. They give it a new idea. It's phenomenal. I would like to wish everybody, especially my Jewish friends, happy Pesach, happy Passover, and may you experience in your Passover, those that uh, celebrate it, that you feel the love of God and that you feel the love of all your family who are gathered together to celebrate Passover. And if you can't be there together, at least try to Zoom and have a small Passover celebration to remember that God saved the Jewish people. God loves the Jewish people. God cares for the Jewish people. And the Jewish people love and care for one another. Thank you.